Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura, and today I am going to do my best to give you a summary of our group's discussion of the Psalms section of Hour 8 in the book Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler. We covered everything from is it okay to pray for the destruction of your enemies to just how much prophecy is in the book of Psalms. One of the first things we covered was that getting an understanding of the organization of the Psalms can be very helpful. Uh, Everything from who wrote which Psalms to the fact that they are meant to be songs. They are very poetic, even if not recognized as poetry in terms of the rhymes that we are used to in English. For instance, someone pointed out that Psalm 119 is a poem that where every line is begun with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It was pointed out also that the Psalms are a very good example of why you need to read verses or scriptures in context, because each psalm, each song, moves from one point to another. There's a lot of turbulence in the psalms where the writer is usually pouring out the heart to God, but then ends up in a place of trust and praise. So particularly on this level, the Psalms can be very personal. They can help push us toward bonding with God appropriately and avoiding a bitter spirit. As such, they are less about study and more about being in his presence. Expounding on this theme, someone began talking about three areas of sloth. Yes, you heard me right, sloth, S-L-O-T-H, and that there are three areas of sloth, physical, mental, and emotional. And the physical is easy to see if you're slothful physically, and mental sloth tends to surface, but emotional sloth can be more insidious. The idea being that though our faith is grounded on facts, it is also a relationship that is supposed to go beyond concept and into passion, and the Psalms lead us to be passion. They are a vehicle to get past purely intellectual knowing. So we can use the Psalms to resist emotional sloth. Some people feel it is irreligious to have emotions in religion because they see in many religions emotions stirred up and whipped up into a frenzy in inappropriate ways or also done in ways that are not actually built on the factual relationship. That is, the relationship of knowing that we rest in the finished work of Christ and that we proceed them from a position of approval versus working for approval, whether it be working for approval in doing works or in acting a certain way or praying a certain way. And since the Psalms are so emotional, we talked about the idea that they are from the gut and that frustration doesn't mean that you are giving in to an intemperate anger. We don't need to relegate ourselves to formulaic prayers. In fact, God's not real fond of those. And besides, he already knows our heart and is 
a bit of a conceit to try to pray the way we are supposed to instead of just being real with God. And this is where we got into this idea of whether or not or how we are supposed to pray for our enemies, because obviously Jesus very clearly teaches that we are supposed to love our enemies. And some of this understanding comes from just the definition of the word enemy. It doesn't mean to hate someone. It means someone who is against you. So just because someone is against you doesn't mean you have to hate them. Now, one thing that seemed pretty clear in the Psalms is that the enemies that David was talking about were people who were morally depraved and were also, therefore, enemies of God. That is to say, they had not repented. You know, David had made mistakes and he had repented. We've all made mistakes and those who have turned to Christ have repented. But here he's talking about enemies who are against him because they are evil and wicked. The idea was brought up that we can pray for suffering that will lead to repentance, but that's not really the tone of the Psalms that we're reading about David saying things like he did in Psalm 69 verses 22 and forward. Let their table before them become a snare. May it become a retribution and a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they can't see. Let their backs be continually bent. Pour out your indignation on them. Let the fierceness of your anger overtake them. Let their habitation be desolate. Let no one dwell in their tents. But while David prayed like this, and he was a man of war fighting against the enemies of the people of Israel, he didn't raise his hand against Saul, even though Saul was trying to murder him. The context of the Psalms, the the tone of them, seems to be that judgment is God's purview. It's not ours. God is the best one to deal with evil. And the Bible has said that judgment will come. He is not just waiting. God is not just waiting around for us to pray so that he can smite someone. Now, even Jesus was firm or harsh, depending on how you want to define that, to false teachers, to religious people who did things in ways that misrepresented God. Uh, Jesus was not at all the same way towards the Roman soldier who came to talk to him. He didn't correct him and tell him all the things he was doing wrong. Because we personally as humans have such a limited understanding, we don't know the beginning from the end, we don't know what will happen with the sowing of the seed. We don't know how it will turn out. And even though God knows the beginning from the end, he still has said there will be a middle and he has given us choices to make. When talking about praying, two other interesting things about praying came up. Someone talked about how kind of ridiculous it is when you are with someone who is praying in front of a group and they obviously are praying for the group to hear what they're saying and not from their heart to God. And then another was a couple of us had examples of knowing someone who had prayed against someone else's prayer, not in a malicious way, but just because they didn't want the same thing. So that's kind of humorous to think about. Then to wrap it up, uh, the fact that there are many prophetic psalms is something that highlights that you can actually learn all that needs to be learned about God and his salvation from the psalms. In fact, that is what the apostles did. They taught a lot from the Old Testament to point out who Jesus was. Psalm 2 kind of encapsulates the whole idea that it begins with the fact that 
some of the powers of the world try to fight against God and his power, and he laughs at that. But in the end, he says, kiss the sun. He presents an invitation. He wants people to come to him. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. And as one person said, the Psalms are a window into God's heart. They explode in the colors of his heart. I found an article titled, Praying for the Destruction of Your Enemies, which I thought was very insightful. And there's some interesting comments, some of them rather confused after that. But overall, it's a a very well-rounded discussion of this idea that on the surface might seem to be a contradiction, but when you look at the whole Bible and the nature of God and the nature of people, it makes sense. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.